You are now listening to It's a Streamable Life, a podcast chronicling life in the peak entertainment era. Streamable Life is hosted by cousins Lauren and Brandon and recorded independently in Hawkins, Indiana. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello, hello. It is November 13th. We're here with another episode of It's a Streamable Life podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Brandon. And before we get started here, how was your weekend? Uh, it's pretty good. Cold. Way too yes. cold, man. Yeah. Um, but uh but not too bad. Um so uh yeah, how about you? <laughs> yeah, pretty much the same. It was cold and then it got colder this week. So right. I wasn't ready. Right, yeah. It was a little too much. And Veterans oh. Day kind of threw me off. I always forget about this holiday. I know that yeah. Uh, it's so, it's not random, but it is because then, because first we have Memorial Day and it's like you get that off. Right, right. But then Veterans Day you don't. And yeah. It's just a lot. <laughs> a lot going on. So we will get into this episode with our question of the week. Since we're focusing on a comedian for our feature presentation this episode, what is your go to comedy movie and why? Uh, did you want to answer it first or? Sure. Okay. Um, I write down just off the top of my head, Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. <laughs> That's always been like an automatic, and nothing else is on, and it's on. I watch it. Right. Type of movie. Um, I can recite it line for line, and it's just right. one of those movies that played a big role growing up. So. Exactly. Okay. And I, I think it's one of those movies, at least in my opinion, that the older I've gotten, the funnier it's gotten. Yeah, yeah, because you pick up on different things. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Okay, um, mine, I pick uh, Head of State, uh, Chris Rock. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my God, that movie. I, well, here's the thing is I saw that movie at my friend Aaron's house, uh, White Kid, which was just awkward in general. That was a little strange, <laughs> but it was it was just so funny and um the movie's funny on its own, but when, when Bernie Mac comes into the story, it just goes to a whole different level. Right. It's, it's hilarious, though. And yeah, kind of like you, if it's on, I'll sit down and watch it, so. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll get started into our ill list. We've got our top three news stories here for the week. Um, our first one is they uh, broadcast TV, remember them? They announced their... Uh, <laughs> Winter mid-season schedules um, for those that are tuning in for shows that were premiering either in December or January. All the dates are released. Um, there wasn't much. Yeah, I was just about to say that. <laughs> yet, um, maybe other dates will come yeah. late. I think most of the shows I watch will wind up ending around that time, but nothing really that tuned in is starting then. No. Um, The only thing I saw was NBC's Lincoln, which they changed the title to Lincoln Rhyme, The Hunt for the Bone Collector. That's a lot. That's a hell of a lot to say. But um, it stars, um, shoot, I forgot his name. (laughs) He was in Grimm, the black guy that was from Grimm. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Hornsby is his last name. Shoot. Anyway, he's playing um, the character uh, Denzel Washington 
Okay. Played for, from the film The Bone Collector, which is based on the books about Lincoln, a, uh, right. a detective seeking a serial killer. So, all right. That looks interesting. And then I had November 22nd, uh, Nailed It Holiday Season 2 is on Netflix. So, oh, all right. That's yeah, I looked at the list and there, there really wasn't too much that kind of interests me. So. Yeah, it's a little weak. So, right. Looks like we'll be streaming most of this stuff. Our number two story is Glad uh, reported that broadcast TV has had an increase in their LGBTQ representation. Mm-hmm. I guess they that report every year or so. And um, they said things are looking up for representation of that community. Um, right. CW sits in first place, of course, offering um, LGBTQ inclusion with Black Lightning, Supergirl, Legend of Tomorrow, um, their new Batman, I mean, Batwoman series with Ruby Rose. So um, they they do highlight inclusion a lot over there, I would almost say. And one of the things that article says at the very beginning is that it's a, that it is that for like the first time, I think that representation of LGBTQ women has surpassed the men. So right right that's a that's a big deal because usually it was, yeah. was mostly gay men um featured in shows and on tv uh, yeah. like, along with the other broadcast channels nbc um followed cw with abc fox and cbs in that order mm-hmm. um showtime and netflix are number one across cable and streaming however so hmm. right and it says here, programming from four dedicated producers and creators who pr- prioritize inclusion, Greg Berlanti, Lena Waithe, Brian Murphy, and Shonda Rhimes, accounts for 14% of total LGBTQ characters across broadcast, cable, and streaming. Yeah. So they were really leading the charge, especially Greg Berlanti. Like, I, yeah. it still blows my mind how many shows he has his hand in producing. Yeah. Like half yeah. the CW slate, right, yeah. uh, stuff on HBO Max, like it's crazy. So, so that's things are improving. Um, yeah. of course, but but it's a it's a good report that that's sort of that change is yeah. happening. Uh, our number one story, which <clears throat> is not about Disney Plus, we'll talk about it next week, but yeah. Disney announced that. Hulu will be the home for FX official streaming service in 2020. Okay. Making big moves over there at Disney, damn. Yeah, they are. So this is a reason for me to keep my Hulu subscription. <laughs> because I wasn't sure if it was going to be worth it. Um, but it will house, you know, basically 17 years of FX programming. So yeah. Wow. All their shows, like Nip Tuck, yeah. Son of a Beach where the shows that came to my mind um, will be there. And then four exclusive series will be on Hulu, including um, the Kate Blanchett-led Mrs. America yeah. and the, the Devs uh, series from the ex Machina director. Yeah. So. Okay. Huh. That's pretty cool, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't they, think I ever... Oh, go oh, ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say something just an aside. Like, I... I, I don't think I had a Hulu. I think I used yours for a while. I think I had your password. And <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I used it for a few months, but yeah. Yeah, I, I mainly use, I originally used it for like on demand because I oh, had yeah. 
Yeah, because I didn't have that on my TV before. And now I use it to watch like certain specific shows, but um, yeah, I don't use it that often. But um, FX will use it as a next day air thing for their cable service. So if you miss the episode the day before, you can go on Hulu and watch it. There. Okay. That's good. That's good. And to round out our news, we've got the weekend box office. Yes. Um, it's a surprise uh, hit midway top Dr. Sleep with oh. 17 million. Wow. Yeah. Um, I guess they're saying Dr. Sleep will lose like $20 million or so. Damn. Which I didn't think it was going to be some sort of juggernaut at the box office. I mean, right, right. Halloween's already passed. Exactly. So. There, there was something about the midway that just looked, I don't know if the word is like cheap. You know what I mean? You've seen I, the trailers and commercials. I, I think that's the word for it. Because every time I saw like, I guess, uh, advertisements or set pieces for it, like the one with yeah. Nick Jonas, it looked like he was just like in a, like a ride at yeah, a mall just, or something. Like it didn't look right. Theory. I mean, you you take um from a couple years ago Dunkirk with like Harry Styles and the English movie mm-hmm. that was like legit. I mean, they were like on a real beach and there was real planes and stuff, and it was crazy. And I don't know, this just I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it really had the juice. But yeah, it looked very red tails, but wild. yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So Midway with top the. Uh, box office 17 million, Dr. Sleep with 14, Playing with Fire, which I heard was abysmal, mm. number three. Um, Last Christmas, the rom com with uh, Amelia Clark and Henry Golding came in at number four, and number five, dropping four spots, was Terminator Dark Fate with 10 million. Yeah. That wraps the ill list. We'll now transition to our TV segment, Niggas on TV or not. Um, <laughs> we've got three three shows to recap briefly. Um, <clears throat> Hits Dark Materials uh, debuted their second episode. Um, in this one, Lyra re- arrives to her new home in London with Miss Coulter, yep. and Roger is about to set on a new adventure. And uh, I. The story's coming a little bit more in place. Uh, it's it's starting to fall into place. I meant to say it's a. Uh, mm-hmm. I think things are coming together. Um, the, the the show, it's how should I say this? The dust is going to play a huge part in the show, but I, I literally have a hard time describing it. And what you're getting from the show is about how it's about as well as I can describe it right now. But it's a huge <laughs> part. Like it's really difficult to explain. It's just kind of like the life force of everything in this world, of what I would say. Okay. So, but um, we, we, we saw a lot. So yeah, like you said, uh, Lyra ends up in London with Miss Coulter and uh, we go through that and she takes her through her house and she gives her a new bed and she gets her clothes and they go out to eat. And um, so it all seems kind of happy and hokey at the beginning, mm-hmm. but then, um, things kind of change from there and we kind of we see dark turn very quickly yeah yeah we see miss culture's like real attitude and um it's interesting uh something about i don't know if it's because ruth willis wilson is in um 
Luther or if it's just the way she looks, but she kind of just naturally, it doesn't seem like she's acting almost as if like, that's who she is. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like yeah. um, I was the scene where she is giving Lyra a bath. Yeah. And like after Lyra leaves or whatever, she's just sitting there all of a sudden she's like, transfix or something yeah yeah she just kind of switches yeah yeah her demon was like girl are you okay (laughs) but um so yeah we get a we get a lot of stuff so we'll stick on london for a little bit so with lyra and kind of run through her story so she's there um she's exploring she's in this new world and she wants to kind of be this adventurous girl that she is but miss coulter's kind of trying to form like mold her i think that's the exact word she uses she's like uh, yeah let me mold you into something blah 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 blah, which is kind of creepy um and that backfires and um um let's see we have her demon lyra's demon pan is hearing things at night and lyra kind of ignores them and then they go and check it out and mm-hmm. then we find that um uh miss coulter's demon the, the golden monkey is like in a room while Miss Mrs. Coulter is down the hallway. And in the book, how should I say this? In the if, if this were the book, that would have been a much bigger reveal. But the thing is, if you've never read the books, then you wouldn't have known that they couldn't separate like that until Lyra tells her, until Lyra says it. Right, right. So I kind of felt like that was a missed thing, but that, that's actually like a pretty huge part because yeah, they um they can't be apart. So yeah, it, it kind of shows you. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. It kind of stumbled into that. Right. I felt like right. There was like some type of subtext missing, but. Right. Yeah. But I think it's a, what they're trying to show is just how strong and how powerful she actually mm-hmm. is, Miss Coulter. Yeah. Um, and so what else happens? So they do that. Um, then people from the Magisterium come uh, to Miss Coulter and they talk, and she's been doing research about dust. And the magisterium is starting to get a bit worried about what she's doing. And so they send some people out. Um, Lyra gets busted for snooping on her. And um, there's that. And uh, yeah, that was the London part. And then we still have the story with Roger has met up with Billy in this little camp where they're being held. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought that was interesting. It was it was kind of random. Like it was like, I, I just think it's because um, th- this is the second episode, and so much has already been shown. And I guess it's just the way they have to do it. But yeah, I, f- I feel like I feel like we're getting to some pivotal points pretty quickly. But it is right. like a right. little theory, so they're sort of having to right. skip some stuff or just rush to stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. Let's see trying to think of the big points oh um uh what's his name boreal the uh that's his name the black guy with the, the snake like the, yes with the snake um he has a big part he has the argument with um the master about the skull that lord oh. asriel brought in the mm-hmm. first episode and all that but then past that is um we see him go to a different world, which is a huge part. He comes to, which would technically be our world, the modern world. And um, that threw me for a loop. <laughs> right, right. And I and I knew, I knew it kind of would. And I imagine it threw a lot of people for a loop because 
it's not really explained, but um, it's, a, it's a big part in how that portal becomes, came to be, will be a big part eventually. And um, okay. yeah, you just gotta keep that kind of like in your back pocket, but um, they're looking for somebody. They're looking for, oh God, what's his name? Stanislaus Grumman, I think is what his name. Yeah, that was the guy with the um, the Osprey for the right, right. Yeah, and uh, he's been able to jump worlds and things. See, without there, so Boreal's looking for him. Um, other big points. Oh, the argument, which led yeah. to the um, blurting out. Well, Lyra finding out that Lord Azriel is actually her father. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was between Mrs. Coulter and Lyra, and that was a crazy scene where their demons started fighting. Yeah. So basically, like you heard the demon, you heard the person, right. which we also right. saw later on. Right. Exactly. Towards the end, but it it kind of gave it away. But Miss Coulter is Lyra's mother too. So that's why I figured. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't know how they were going to show that in the show because she kind of finds out. Think in the second book, I'm not sure, but yeah, but um, so that kind of adds another layer to this. But then, yes, you, like you said, they Miss Culture has a party, and uh, there's a journalist snooping around about um, Miss Mrs. Coulter because we find out that her organization is the oh my god, it's skipping my mind the GOB. Yeah. she's one. She's one of the gobblers. Like yeah, right. So she's one of the bad people. Um, then we see her go to the little shack where the kids are being kept. Um, mm-hmm. So she's known all along where Roger is. And uh, then, uh, like you said, the journalist gets caught up. Um, her demon is a butterfly. Oreo crushes it. And then she's dead. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I thought it was a good episode. So Yeah, very good. The way, the way they um, shoot it and the stuff the tension is just always like on pins and needles right right just mm, it's uncomfortable like yeah yeah but i think it was a good episode right so i think there i think there's enough of the world being built that maybe they'll run smoother and i don't mm. know they need that this definitely needs like a podcast for people that haven't read the book because <laughs> yeah that's how i went out there i'm yeah. sure someone's doing something yeah. Then, uh, in addition to Le- to Lyra, we we saw Roger in the room or in the like right. encampment or whatever, and the Egyptians are looking for them, and right. uh, somehow they they managed to move the children constantly, so they're never found. So yeah. they missed literally missed them like hours yeah. before or whatever. But that confirmation that Billy is with them, and then um, as Miss Culture visit tell them they're going to the north um they leave for the station yeah um lyra figures out after snooping around uh, miss Coulter's room that the station is some type of something where she's caging humans and her demons and uh, she can't piece it together quite yet but right all of this together she realized that she has to She's got to get away, and that's what she does. Yeah, she dips out. Yeah. Yeah, those, and obviously the station will come into play, but, like, the blueprints were kind of ominous. What do you know now that they can't be far from their demons? Right. 
you see what they're doing with the cages. It's like, damn. Yeah, that's crazy. And then Lyra's running with Pan, and uh, she's found the spot to rest, and then Pan says, do you hear that? Right. And she is snatched. Right, right. But it's the same with the red fox, or... Yeah, it's like a, a fox with, like, glowing eyes, so... Yeah, so that's how the episode ended, so we'll have yeah. to see see what, what happens. happens next. Yeah. All right. Good episode, though. Yeah. And then we'll backtrack to HBO's other show, Watchmen. Yes. Uh, this is episode four. If you don't like my story, write your own. Yep. Um, here we meet Lady True, who is like <laughs> some sort of pharmaceutical big shot who's extremely wealthy. Yeah. Um, and we learn about her connection to the story. Um, it opens up, she's basically asking to buy this couple's land and in exchange, she gives them what she calls legacy. Since they have no yeah. children, she says she's made them a child. That was, that was crazy because she just like, it, like, like, well, like she said, she wasn't asking as much as she was just right. like telling him. She was like, I've made you a child and now your land is mine. Like, right. None. Like bounce. And I, I couldn't go over the fact that this Asian woman was like gentrifying this white people's land. Like yeah, the whole manifest destiny concept was sort of inverted. Right. Um, so we sort of um throughout this episode learn about Lady True a little bit. She um <clears throat> has a meeting with uh Lori and Angela because they're investigating if she was responsible for um, grabbing Lori's car and then throwing it back. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's revealed that, uh, well, she doesn't give too much away. She kind of plays along, plays dumb, basically. Um, but her and Angela both have sort of a connection because they're both from Vietnam. Yeah. And that scene where they were speaking in Vietnamese. Um, <laughs> right, yeah. Did not uh to let kind of leave Lori out of the loop it's clear that she knows more about the car and the person that was in it which was angela's grandfather right um angela does some more snooping around um she goes back to the cultural center to get some more information about her family tree i thought that was a great scene how she sort of sets up the whole break-in yeah um and she she sees the image of her great grandparents, who would have been her grandfather's parents, and learn that they just they're deceased, and that Will Reeves um, just sort of disappeared. Yeah, there was no account of his death during the Tulsa um, riot massacre. So uh, allegedly, he was a did they say were a sheriff or um. Yeah, some, I think that's what they said, yeah. A sheriff in the 40s and 50s in New York City, and then he just sort of disappeared. Yeah. Um, let's see, what else did we get? Um, we, uh, while Angela's investigating, she comes upon this nefarious vigilante person. Yeah, the dude in the circle. Yeah. And <laughs> we have this chase, and he... <laughs> 
he literally loses himself up and slides into a, a sewer grate. That, that's what killed me. I was like, well, first of all, I was like, okay, he has the cheapest costume. Like, right. But yeah, when he started squirting himself with the bottles, like, what is he about to do? And then, yeah, he just swoop. I was like, damn. <laughs> and she was like, what? Right, yeah. Yeah, that, that was interesting. So that's another layer to the story. Um, right. We have to figure out who this person is and what he's up to. Um, Lori's been doing her due diligence and investigating. She's taken Judd's old office at yeah. the department. Um, Angela finds out that she was talking to Cal. Um, and, and evidently there's something Cal's holding back about himself. Yeah. Which we're not sure what it is yet. Um, we know that he met uh, Cal met Angela in Vietnam. Yeah. We're not sure what exactly he's holding back because she asked him, "Did you tell him about your incident?" He said no. So there's there's something there we don't know about yet. And and I kind of figured there was something because he was just he was way too chill with everything she was doing. Mm-hmm. To, to, you know, to not be deeper into it than what he was letting on so. yeah yeah he's 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 very i don't know even in their conversation it's not like he he gets gets angry or no he's just like okay yeah i understand yeah it's, it's sort of like he was taking orders almost. right uh what else um back uh Oh, Lady True, I almost forgot. She's the one building the Millennium. Yeah. Wow. Is that what it's called? Uh, I think so. Or Tower? Or... Yeah, I think it's the Tower. It's kind of kind of strange. When they, sh- when they show the, the, like, the vision of it at the end, you really can't make it out. Like, it's kind of... Yeah, it's just this humongous... Yeah, metal thing, place. yeah. Um, whatever, but we return there for the evening, and her um, daughter, who's sort of like her assistant, yeah, has a nightmare. And the way she describes it, it sounds like the bombing in Vietnam, and how yeah. she's she's running, walking, and um, right. I'm pretty sure the soldiers like walked prisoners. Uh, didn't wasn't that part of Vietnam? Like after the bombing, they just sort of yeah, I think so. There's a yeah. lot of like. Um, a lot of small kind of things where they forced prisoners out of their homes and burned uh, burned villages and stuff down. So yeah, and I thought it was um, oh she was talking about how her feet were hurting. So that was yeah. like kind of weird. Ever, but she like tells her to just go back to bed, and then we get the big reveal that as she goes to bed, she goes. Good night, Mr. Will. And sure enough, Will Reeves is sitting there. Right. They have this conversation of, you know, um, are you ready? Are you in this plan? Lady True says. And he says, by the time Angela and them find out what's happened, how I betrayed them, it'll be too late. So I'm definitely in. So we're not sure exactly what they're planning, but he's he's not the hero we think he is, maybe. Yeah, he's more than he's letting on as well. Yeah. And we got to go back to that picture. Not the picture, but the statue of Adrian. Right, yes. Yeah. Um, while, like, what? Yeah, while Lori and Angela are at um, 
Millennium Tower, they see a statue of Adrian fight, and yeah. it's him in the, his current age, you know, since yeah. he disappeared when he was young, but this is him age, and it's very odd, so then <clears throat> that's a great way to transition to his um, portion of yeah. the episode, which always comes at the end. He's flinging bodies. Well, first, we see him collect how he collects these clones. Right, yeah. It's like an ocean of fetuses. Yeah, I think they're born underwater or something, and then when he goes through them and the ones that he knows aren't going to make the cut, I guess he just disposes them. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> that was weird. But he sort of like uh, incubates them and rush bursts them, and this is how yeah. we get the two uh, servants yeah. And then he's um, <clears throat> catapulting them into the air. But it almost seems like they sort of go into hyperdrive because then they disappear. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? That's interesting because when I was watching, I was like, okay, things are starting to click. Because mm-hmm. we hear there's one part where he said he, he told uh, the guy that he was going to escape this place which makes me one think that he's somewhere not trapped, but somewhere like he doesn't want to be, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, and then we also heard from Mrs. True when she was talking to somebody that he disappeared, but it was after she bought all his corporation or something or, mm-hmm. and then also, and then last week we saw him testing the suit. To right. see if it could withstand the pressure of you pressure, know, yeah, yeah. So almost my seems guess like is, he, oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say it seems like he may be in space. Yeah, yeah, in space or is trying to get to space or yeah, something like that. Yeah, because the way like he flicked that other person to the air and then right. it was the moon and they were back at Lady True's right, right power. So things are definitely falling into place. Um, Another great episode. I love the exchanges between Angela and Lori. Like they're so almost yeah. alike that they can't. They're 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 darts just deflect off each other. Like there's so right. much right. of the same same uh, product and drive and everything. So yeah, mm-hmm. very good episode. Right. And then finally we have. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. The sixth episode of Mr. Robot, entitled Not Acceptable. This was a special episode because it came on at eight because of the People's Choice Awards, which, yeah. <laughs> but um, this episode was good. Yeah, there was a lot going on. A lot going on. We have Vera, who's devising his plan to somehow reach Elliot. Um, and then we have Dom and Darlene reunite, unfortunately. And then, uh, Elliot is busy sort of trying to accomplish this goal of getting access to, so he can defeat the Dark Army. Right. Um, so we open with Vera and Krista. He's kind of kidnapped her in her own apartment. Um, he tells the story of what the... Bully and the bitch, or or yeah, yeah, and how 
Um, Monday, the bitch was tired of being bullied, and he got a bat, and he used the bat to sort of evil uh, level the planes between him and his bully, and he just right. door my bat. So yeah, um, he's gonna use her to get to Elliot. And yeah, I don't understand the obsession with Elliot between him and then Tyrell. Yeah, that, I noticed that too. That's something similar with both of those characters, sort of like this made-up yeah. connection they have with Elliot. And yeah, it's just never been like completely explained. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, I will say in this opening, the plan, the use of Carol the Bells, that song is undefeated. Yeah, it, it's always it, it's like the hypest Christmas song. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. That I would call it that. Oh, shit. So we have Vera holding Krista. We jump to uh, Elliot and Darlene. Um, this is before Elliot is about to depart on his next mission. Um, he apologizes, Darlene, and they have sort of, sort of like a sentimental moment because he yeah. literally was almost a goner. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, he leaves to sort of finish his plan with. Um, Olivia Cortez and him and Mr. Robot, whose returns for this episode are definitely on at odds with this plan because it does definitely cross a line that they try to prevent in previous um, missions. But we'll get to that later. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I did know this before Elliot um, departs for his mission, he goes back to the coffee shop. Yeah. From the first episode, and he reunites with Leon, who apparently is no longer Dark Army. He's just freelancing. Yeah, I guess he's just chilling out there now. Yeah, yeah. So he's, but, he tells him, you know, if you ever need anything, just you know, hit me up. Right. Blah blah blah. Meanwhile, Darlene is. What was she? What was her plan? What was she going to do? I'm honestly, I'm not even exactly sure. Like, uh, I think she was just like probably getting ready to start her day. Yeah, and, that's what it seemed like. Yeah, and pow, Dom's there right. with a the gun. Because yeah. Dom's been given the task from Janice to uh, get Darlene and or Elliot, mainly Elliot. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, that's definitely who they're after. Yeah, White Rose wins Elliot. So they have this exchange. Um... Darlene tries to stall as much as she can, um, and Dom's not having it. Not at all. <laughs> and then Darlene says, you know, you don't even need me anymore. I've got the location for Ellie on my phone. Just take it and go. So, Darlene, so Dom, you know, relays this message to Janice saying, I have Darlene, but not, not Elliot. Um, and and thinking she's protecting Darlene by saying we don't need her, we need Elliot, she ends up yeah. forcing her hand. Janice says, okay, we'll kill her. Thank it's you. That way. Now, as, as smart as Dom is, how did she not see that coming? Yeah, yeah. Like... I don't know. I think she's just so lost in everything now. She's just... Yeah. She yeah. she was thinking that she she was literally doing the right thing, but she didn't. So now she's facing with having to kill Darlene, 
she forces into a bathtub. The guns are in the head. Yeah, hits her in the head. Yeah, hits her in the head. So I think she's gonna make her bleed out, but yeah. she doesn't die. And Darling does all this pleading, and she has to get this done by three thirty, and blah blah blah. And just as she realizes she can't do it, and they're about to make a plan B, Janice gets there. Yeah. And uh, she basically says, oh, well, isn't this lovely? Right, yeah. It's like, this is not supposed to happen. She's supposed right. to be dead by now. Uh-huh. And I, I was thinking they were both dead then, but she tells Dom, you're too valuable, but you aren't. And she's about right. to kill Darlene, and Darlene says, well, you don't have my brother either because I wiped my phone's memory. Right, right. I was not expecting so Darlene sort of threw a wrench in that whole organization, and yeah. that's where that story sort of cuts off. So we don't know what's what happens. I love the Janice. <laughs> I love Janice's character though; it's perfect. She's because mm-hmm. she doesn't. It's just that thing of she doesn't look sinister, but she's she's she, horrible, diabolical. Yeah. So we go from one sociopath to another. Um, well, kind of. Elliot finds Olivia. She's actually happy to see him. It's almost like he's copying social cues. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. He gets to the door and they're talking, but it's it's like he's just doing stuff in response that he sees others do, rather than like being like actually interested in conversation. Right. Um, he hands her the. Christmas holiday latte as like a parting gift to sort of break the ice and she's she's ready to talk blah 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 and then he sort of like lays it on her about who she works for their plan and how he's going to stop them she doesn't believe him she doesn't want to cooperate and then he pulls the final Trojan card and says well you will cooperate or else your son's going to be taken away because you're not clean I've been clean for eight years. And he says, no, you haven't. And it's revealed he's put Oxycontin in the latte. Yeah, that's fucked up. (laughs) Definitely fucked up. I was not, it was definitely a line because I wasn't sure what exactly the line was. I know that was sort of like in their back pocket, the whole custody thing, but I didn't know he was going to do it that sinisterly. So she... She complies, makes the arrangements for the fake transfer of money so we can get the information. And then I knew she, when she said she had to go to the bathroom that she was going yeah. to harm herself. I just yeah, I, I didn't know if she was going to do, if she was going to like cut herself, drug herself, or like go out the window. But I was like, oh yeah, there's no way she's, she's just going to the bathroom. Yeah. So he rushes in there and he, gratefully saves her she had slipped both of her wrists and um he he again reassures her that you know he's not the bad guy here he's going to stop the monsters the day is group and she's like the funny thing is you keep saying that they're monsters but you're the monster and you don't even know it and it was it was kind of true like elliot's sort of crossed the point of no return basically yeah, he really has 
And it was kind of interesting, interesting that I think in this episode or episode before, White Rose mentioned how, you know, how him and Elliot are on the same side. Yeah. So, <clears throat> lest we forget that I think in episode one, um, was episode season one? Uh, or sometime we would figure out, we realized that Elliot was like, not stopping um what was it called he wasn't stopping the attack he was like sort of accelerating it yeah um yeah i know what you're talking about yeah it wasn't the it's like the five nine or whatever yeah five nine like all this time he thought he was stopping it. he was actually like the head right right so we still have more to come to see there and then um after Vera finishes his story um, and threatens Krista to tears, she complies and she tells, calls Elliot, saying that she's been held captive by Vera. She's she's afraid of what he's going to do, and she complied to give him his files on him and who Mr. Robot is, and that's how you get him on your side. That's how you break him. Yeah. And of course, Elliot sort of rushes to save her, and that's the bait. As soon as he crosses the street, no less. They grab him and throw him in the trunk of Vera's car. So yeah, and then like I think you told me next week is commercial free. Correct. And something tells me that despite this episode ending with Elliot, I think we're going back to White Rose because we've had two episodes without her. So Yeah, yeah. She's definitely been just in the background. Right. Well, I can see it's going there since this season is not nowhere near over yet. Right, right. So. All righty, that concludes our NOT segment. We'll now transition to No Concessions, where we had a few new trailers and whatnot to uh, sort of devour. Um, I was blown away by the Invisible Man trailer, which I was not expecting to be interested in at all. Yeah. I guess Bloomhouse is sort of reimagining the original Universal Invisible Man uh, story uh, with Elizabeth Elizabeth Moss as um, sort of like a battered woman who um, escapes her sociopath husband only to learn that he commits suicide and leaves her $5 million on the contingency that she never pleads in mentally incompetent. Right. Which is like a red flag. Like, what? what is that about? Right. Um, and the trailer just shows us that um, her husband was like a billionaire scientist and she believes he's devised a way to make himself invisible and torment her and no one else believes her. So, yeah. The trailer was really good. Yeah. And uh, Elizabeth Moss, despite her whole scientology thing is really good actress oh yeah definitely definitely um so that comes out in february i might go go and see that it looks looks really interesting yeah it looks like it could be good yeah and it has what's his name in there too uh oh god we just watched him in this the show about boston and the cops oh yeah 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 Yeah. Looks like he t- took an L in one of those scenes, but it's a yeah. horror film, so 
Um, second, we saw the Soul trailer or teaser trailer from Pixar. Um, their first anime film with a black lead. Woo! Uh, stars Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey. The uh, trailer was very, I have to say, what's the word for it? Empowering, I, I guess. Like that whole mm. monologue Jamie's giving um, throughout was really encouraging. And I'm still not sure what it's about totally yeah other than i guess jazz or yeah like mm-hmm. music plays a big big part in it um but yeah it, it looked good i know a lot of people were upset that another black anime character who spends half the movie not as a black person uh which i mean i i can see people being upset but then again i'm like it's an animated movie like yeah man like, chill out yeah so that comes out i think sometime next year yeah so i'm sure we'll get more trailers for that and then we got a teaser trailer for the boys season two from on amazon prime let's see i didn't watch the first season so i knew oh, okay nothing about this okay you've got I don't know how, but you've got to watch the first season of The Boys. It's okay. crazy. Um, <clears throat> without giving too much away, this trailer looks to sort of um, give us more backstory on one of the characters, Homelander, from season one, and sort of his upbringing. Basically, he's a hero, but there's ver- uh, nefarious ulterior motives behind this sort of new new age justice league um so so yeah um he's sort of sort of like the superman type there's like a wonder woman type a flash version like an aquaman Hmm. so yeah it's it's really good it stars um what's his name hold on keith not keith urban (laughs) what's that dude's name something urban uh he was in captain marvel oh, i he? don't even know shoot he's in all that sci-fi stuff he was in star the new star trek um no, i don't know no, let me just look it up because he was in judge dread what is that dude's name he's always in like the action stuff i don't so, know just keep moving we'll find it yeah, yeah, yeah. Carl Urban. I found it. Okay, okay. Yes. Woo! Yeah, Carl Urban stars in it. Um, it's very TVMA. So, <laughs> but it's really good. So, if you can find it, I know it's on Amazon Prime. You might be able to buy it or something or other. Okay. It's, it's pretty good. And then we received a new trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes. Um, after that awful design in the that first creepy trailer, design. Yeah, creepy design, we've got a new trailer with a new design. He actually looks like Sonic. I don't understand yeah. how they didn't do this the first time. Right. Yeah. So, the, the first one was weird because he had like human teeth. It's like, what? Yeah. He's a animated hedgehog. I don't know why right. they try to make him so human. Right. But yeah, new trailer that comes out in February. As much as I enjoyed uh, the new design, I still don't know if this film is going to be good. Yeah, I, I don't you know, know I mean? either. 
Jim Carrey looked good, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he looked like a legit villain, so. But, I don't know, yeah, I'm kind of with you on that, but I'm, I'm not sure it's going to be that great. <laughs> yeah, because video game films tend to not be very. No. So those are the trailers. Um, and then anything that we binged lately? Um, well, there was a second season of the show, um, End of the Fucking World on uh, Netflix. And, uh, well, the show follows a girl and a guy, and they're both teenagers, kind of like in this boring, humdrum town uh, in the UK. And um, they just kind of get in trouble, try to break out of their lives. And it, it's completely spiraled out of control. And the second season was good because at the end of the season, they, they kill a guy that has been like hurting women. And then this season starts with a woman looking for them that was like that guy's lover. It's hard to explain unless. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. But it, it, the show's still funny. It's kind of, it's, it's super dark, but it's very funny. So, but yeah, it was good. And um, what the best thing about it, it's like only eight episodes and they range from like 19 minutes to 30 minutes. So. Oh, that's interesting. Right. I've heard good things about, about this show. Yeah, it's good. It's just, um, yeah, it's real. It goes by really quickly. It's like, like, geez, all right, done already. Okay, cool. I'll definitely try to check it out. Yeah. Um, I finished Six Manos, uh, original anime film, anime mm-hmm. series on Netflix. It was really good. Definitely sets up a season two, which I hope comes soon. Um, it mixes a lot of Mexican folklore and sort of magic with like black exploitation action mm-hmm. and kung okay. fu. But it's it's really good. Um, only eight episodes, uh, half hour each. So if you're trying to get into anime, this is good. It stars Mike Coulter. Um, I'm not sure who the other actors are. I think it's a lot of new talent. But it was really good. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Have to check that out. Mm-hmm. And that concludes our no concession segment. We'll now get into our feature presentation where we have an overview of Eddie Murphy's career pending his return to the forefront of film and comedy. So we all know that um, Eddie Murphy sort of like staging a comeback after being sort of dormant for a few years. And it all kind of started with uh, the Netflix film Dolomite is my name now did right. you get to see that yeah i watched it i okay. watched it a couple what did you think ago. about it it was good it was good the first thing that i thought was like damn how'd they get all these people in one film like there's a lot of notable people in one film it was crazy um, oh yeah they had like you had a kind of the only person i didn't recognize right off the bat was low-key it was ti because he had the beard i was like yeah oh. but um no i liked it it was funny it was moving and it was kind of I would almost say it's kind of had the message of like, you know, of perseverance because definitely he was, he was always like, he said himself, you know, if somebody closed the door on him, he just found another door, you know what I mean? And just did what he had to do and he kept moving and try to get his dreams to reality. And, uh, but yeah, it was funny. It was good. I thought it was really good. And I, um, obviously Eddie Murphy was good, man, but Wesley Snipes. Oh my God. Yes. He was incredible in every scene. Yeah. 
I couldn't believe it. He's hilarious. Yeah. So the, yeah. The, the, I, I was just gonna say the scene that got me with Wesley Snipes was the splash scene when they they're doing the car scene and the water <laughs> splashes, and he didn't know it was written in. It's the way he gets up and runs away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's that's my cousin's car. Right. Right. Yeah. That was funny. So yes, it all started with rumors of Dolomite is my name. And then it's uh, been confirmed that he's returning to SNL, sort of like his oh. uh, uh, his roots, basically. Ooh. After 35 years, he's returning to host SNL on December 21st. That would be good. So speaking of SNL, this is where Eddie kind of start, got his start. Right. Um, back in I think the early '80s, he was on SNL, and this was sort of like a low point for the show. Yeah, I I can remember my parents talking about how SNL was was really popular when it first came out in the '70s, and then I guess there was a point where Lauren Michaels left the show. Oh wow! For five years, and this one Eddie was on it, and Chris Rock is on record saying like, you know, Eddie Murphy mm -hmm. saved. Saturday Night Live. Yeah. So he had classic characters like Buckwheat. Um, he had this sketch where he like dressed up as a white person <laughs> for a day. Um, I think he did Stevie Wonder too, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. But this was sort of like his be the beginning of his um, excuse me, his career, and from there. He sort of skyrocketed right into film. I mean, he did 48 Hours with Nick Nolte yeah. in 1984. And then from there, it's sort of like the Eddie, Eddie run from like the mid-80s to sort of like the latter 90s. Yeah. Um, he had Beverly Hills Cop, one, two, three. He had 48 Hours and another 48 Hours. He had Trading Places. Um, and then sort of my favorite trifecta, well, not trifecta, my favorites, um, Harlem Nights and Coming to America. Yeah, uh, Harlem Nights. I watched that with my dad. Um, that was the first time I'd ever seen it. I watched it with my dad, and I, absolutely, I couldn't stop laughing. There's just so many, so many good moments in that movie. Yeah, that film is iconic. So many Black legends. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that I think we sort of forget. Like, Eddie, like, once he sort of had himself established, he really yeah. put on for other black actors in talent yeah, in Hollywood. Because Harlem Knights had Richard Pryor, Red Fox, Robin Harris, Della Reese, Jasmine right. Guy, Arsenio Hall. It's just a plethora of black comics at that time. Sort of similar to what Dolomite Is My Name is now. Right, right, absolutely. And on top of Harlem Knights, you have Coming to America, which yeah. was sort of like a groundbreaking film all black cast, just just sort of like an unheard of premise for movies at that time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and it's a classic, definitely a classic. Um, and then you get into the 90s, he did Boomerang, which um, was one of the first uh, black rom comedies of the 90s, killer yeah. soundtrack. Um, so many moments in that movie with Eartha Kitt and Grace Jones. Yeah. Um, just just classics instantly. 
and then he transitioned to the 90s with one of his most iconic roles in The Night Professor. Yeah, def- uh, I think that's maybe the first movie where I definitely, I think I realized like, oh, this is Eddie Murphy. Like, yeah, you know, I, I, I would have been extremely young, but that's when like maybe his name started to like actually mean something to me. It's like, oh, okay, blah, 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 blah. So. Yeah, guys, I think that's definitely the intro to him for us because we were too yeah. young for the movies from the 80s. We were just above, about of age when The Night Professor came out, probably mid 90s, right. like 96. Right. Um, he yeah, had, I think it was 96. Yeah. Um, the whole Hercules scene, just line after nine, your lip, your right. lip is full. <laughs> Just a hilarious take on the original Night Professor. And I think that got two sequels or one? Uh, I don't remember. I think it got one. I know it definitely got another one. So Yeah, one with Janet Jackson as right. love interest after Jada Pinkett Smith. So right. you have the Night Professor. Then you have one of my favorites, Dr. Doolittle. Yeah, that was another good one. Another good one. And then the other one I remember is Bowfinger. Yeah, I'd never seen that. We rented that randomly. It's actually really good. I think it's one of his most underrated performances. Hmm. Um, stars Steve Martin. And I guess Steve Martin's like a low, kind of like honest luck director who wants to make a last movie. And Eddie Place is sort of like, I don't know if he's special or it may be problematic now, but. Um, yeah. He he's sort of like this doofus that Steve Martin uses in his film, or I, mean, I think it's going to be like a satire of some sort. Okay, yeah, I, I've I've never seen it, but I know it exists. That's I just never knew what it was, but yeah, it's something I haven't yeah. seen. I might have to rewatch it because I know I was young when I first saw it. Okay. So then after Bowfinger, just like any other career, he sort of hit a low point. Um, I know he did a sequel to Doctor Doolittle. Yeah. which wasn't as great as the first one. And then he did films like Osmosis Jones, which was an animated fair. He tried to get into that more family-friendly. Yeah, because he did realm. that. He did Daddy Daycare, The Haunted Mansion. Uh, all these are coming to me now. He did that Pluto Nash. Yeah, that was the big bomb. But he was he was in... I, you can't say all his family-friendly things were bad because... He was in two of the probably the biggest and most well-known animated films in Shrek and Mulan. So, right, right. I totally forgot about those. Shoot. Yeah, Shrek. He was Donkey, and then Mulan. He was the Dragon. So. Shoot. Yeah. Yeah. And Shrek had what three sequels? I, Are they playing the fourth one? Yeah, I, I know it had three. I think. I don't know if there's a fourth one. I think they're planning one, if I'm not mistaken, which or a reboot or something. Yeah, there were spinoffs with Puss in Boots. And, but yeah, I just, those were huge. So. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. So like, he was getting Shrek money and then doing all these little other rinky-dinky right. movies like The Haunted Mansion. Uh, Meet Day, when he was like an alien yeah. in his head <laughs> or something. Yeah. It was just sort of like a low point in his career. So he sort of like took some time off. And then he reemerged in 2006 with the Oscar-nominated Dreamgirls. Mm-hmm. Now, I think everyone knows that he 
he deserved that Best Supporting Actor Oscar yeah. for his role as um, Eddie Hurley. But many suspect that his release of Norbit sort of like backlashed him from getting the award. Uh, that's stupid. But side note, my mother absolutely loves Norbit. And like, <laughs> she thinks it's the greatest movie ever. Like she'll, she just cracks up at it. It's like, oh my God. But, I've never seen it all the way through, I don't think. Yeah, it's just silly. It's what you'd expect, so. But again, it was like his sort of like bread and butter, um, him taking on multiple characters. Right. Um, but yeah, that was sort of like a big divisive point is in his career because everyone was thinking, you know, he was sort of back on track to like a, a up trend and then Norbert came out. So he sort of, again, sort of fell into the shadows. And then not too long ago, he had a film called Mr. Church. Yeah where he takes care of this white mother and daughter and it was very uh the help yeah ish <laughs> that didn't do too well just because it felt very late like magical yeah. negro type drama we got a plenty of those correct so we didn't need any more so the end <clears throat> which brings us to the recent time, you know, he's sort of like on a resurgence. Uh, you have Dolomite's My Name, you have the mm-hmm. SNL hosting gig this December, and then you also have him <clears throat> doing interviews and uh, making talking points about how he sort of had sort of regret for some of his previous comedy material especially yeah i saw that yeah you stand up in raw and delirious which are two of his biggest um comedy specials right and you know people sort of that's sort of like a topic of tension these days is that comic comics can't you know be as funny as they used to be because there's so many groups that prefer them not prefer not to be blunt of jokes and right right and it's understandable, you know, the culture has changed. You know, it's not 1983 anymore. You don't need jokes that um, harass, you know, the LGBTQ community or women right. or the disabled community. So yeah, it was sure. sort of like, uh, I think a big step for him to sort of like, you know, his growth as a creator and like that he's mindful of, you know, of things that he had to change in his material. Right. It also shows your, I mean, it shows that your talent if you're able to adapt, you know. Right. Because many of these people complaining, Dave Chappelle, probably right, yeah. can't quite. I, they're talented, but they don't want to persevere to change, right? Or, exactly. or adapt. So it might be a loss for them. But I think it's a great win, win for him, especially if he wants to continue sort of like right. for a new generation. Um, he's got. Coming to America 2, coming up next year, which could be a, could be magnificent or just flop because people hold the original so dear. Yeah, that's true. But, um, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I didn't have anything to say. <laughs> oh, sorry. But um, it's, it's interesting. I wonder if people will follow in his footsteps and sort of like taking accountability on past transgressions and showing the change in their work 
or if it was just sort of like a bee, a lone, sort of like a lone wolf in that in that arena. I don't know. I think. I don't know. That's an interesting question. I think. Well, I think we already have the answer, and the answer is no. Honestly, I mean, uh, I, I think people would have done it already. Yeah. I mean, if it does happen, it's going to be out of fear and maybe not just people being genuine. Right. You know, if I do this, if I, you know, if I don't say this, it's going to happen to me. But I don't know. And also, I, I don't know how to say this. There's, there's obviously look, look at Kevin Hart. All he had to do was apologize and say that he moved on and it changed the way that he thought about these certain things. But no, nah, he, he couldn't. He he doubled down and got himself in trouble with that. So Yeah, he could have hosted the Oscars. That that's crazy. So yeah, um in addition to coming to America too, he I think he's planning a comedy special. Um he wants to get back on the stage and I think in a few interviews he was wondering if he was still funny, you know. I think Dolomite is my name sort of prove that he's he's still yeah, got he's it. Still, you know, he's yeah, I think he's he still does. funny. And I think he'll he'll do well. So I'm excited to see what comes next for Mr. Murphy. Right. It's real interesting. Definitely it you don't realize it when you're young, but at this age I can definitely say he's he's a a legend, like Oh yeah, without a doubt. Like he's sort of trailblaze a space for black comedians in film that wasn't really there before like no black comedian or actor was really getting work like that on a mainstream level until he came around so so yeah he definitely did a lot yeah definitely all right that concludes our feature presentation before we get out of here on this episode where are you streaming for the weekend all right um i not mistaken, I think it's the 15th of November, the fourth and final season of uh, Amazon's Man in the High Castle premieres. And mm-hmm. so um, I finally, finally knocked those all out. And, uh, and that's what I'll be streaming. I'm not sure how many episodes it is. So I'm not going to like binge it. So I may knock out two a day or so, but it's, it's pretty good. So that's what I'm up to. Alrighty. As for me, I will be binging and experimenting Disney Plus. Yes. yes. Um, I watched The Mandalorian today, so I'll give my thoughts on that next week okay. when we do a, a quick review. It was only 39 minutes, so oh. I was able to knock it out before I went to work. Um, I don't know why I thought it was like a feature length thing. Yeah, I th- well, I thought each episode would be at least an hour. So yeah. I was sort of scared. And I think they've got their servers all together so people will be able to watch now. Yeah. Um, so I'll be watching. Well, they only release an episode of the week of the new series, I think. Uh, so okay. I'll probably be binging some other things. I've added X-Men animated series to my watch list. And I think I'll check out Gargoyles because that's a show I definitely didn't watch when i was younger oh yeah gargoyles yeah i i remember it i remember having the little toys <laughs> yeah and just i'll just try to check that out and see see what's all in there revisit some films and shows i used to watch and and all that nostalgia yeah. so again 
We hope that you enjoy this episode. You can follow us on AS Life Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and make sure you visit streamablelife.wordpress.com for more content from both of us. Until next time, peace. Peace. This has been It's a Streamable Life, a podcast chronicling life in a peak entertainment era. Listen, share, rate, and subscribe weekly on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you get Streamable Life.